Do you own a timeshare? Well, face the facts. You made a mistake. You made a bad purchase. A timeshare is not an investment. It's a money pit that continues forever. If you use your timeshare, that's great. But if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract, call my friends right now at the Timeshare Exit Hotline. They're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want. Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you are ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-824-5131. 800-824-5131. That's 800-824-5131. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily represent those of station staff, management, and advertisers. They were there when history was made. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Inside the 20. Touchdown! A raconteur is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports Raconteur. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! The sports raconteurs dust off the great American art of storytelling. From the players, coaches, media, the people who were there. Smith courts one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. Go crazy. Now, here's Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Sports Rockin' Tours, a show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half-century or so of American sports. In sports, we often discuss who the best player we ever saw was, or what was the greatest game we ever attended. But what about our favorite seasons? Baseball, with its long season of first 154 and then 162 games, lends itself to those great campaigns. Football seasons, on the other hand, are much shorter and often feature a small group of dominant teams. But there is a great exception, 1965. It was an incredible year, with leads changing throughout the season and many, many subplots. Historian David Kaiser remembers it all so well and has touched base with many who participated for his wonderful new book, NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. Well, if you love sports, and especially if you love the kind of sports I do, where you go back and read historical accounts of what happened in these incredible seasons, whatever the sport Get a historian instead of a sports writer to write it. We got that today. A great historian. David Kaiser has written a number of books on a number of different topics. But thankfully, he wrote about football, the 1965 season. In fact, the book is called NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. And... I'll tell you, if you like football, even if you didn't, even if you didn't, but you just were kind of interested in the way things develop, get this book. It is fantastic. You can't put it down. David, thank you so much. Uh, What a season that was. I mean, really, 
it, it was one of those things where so many different things happened. And, you know, we're used to teams and playoffs and so forth. It's not a big deal to make the playoffs. It was a big deal to make the playoffs in 1965, though, wasn't it? It was a very big deal because there were 14 teams and uh, only two of them were going to be in that NFL championship. There were no wild cards and you had to have the best record in your seven-team division. Uh, this was one of the years where two teams finished in a tie, and, and there was a playoff in the Western Conference, which I'm sure we will get to. But uh, that's the way it was year after year. And, uh, I mean, all the good teams now know they can afford to lose a few games, and they don't particularly worry about having an off day. But it wasn't like that back then at all. Yeah, you know, in fact, it's funny you say that because I, I look at teams, and you know when it gets towards the end, they got their spot, especially if they know where they're going to fit kind of in the home and away things. Uh, they take it easy. You'll go out. It's like an exhibition game, right, to watch uh, the sure. last game of the season. Not then. Uh, in 65 was incredible. But before we even get into the season, I think people have to understand the league and what was going on at the time. And you have a great quote from Sonny Jurgensen where you, he says, yeah. you know, it was the players' game then. And it really was. It was, it was different. Huh? I mean, guys called their own plays. You know, yes. think of Johnny Unitas. It was a different game. It was a different game. Uh, it's interesting because you see the beginnings of the change. Uh, Paul Brown, the legendary Cleveland Browns coach, who had been out of football for several years at this point, uh, was the first coach who called all the plays for his quarterback. So he was gone. But Tom Landry... Uh, who was, I guess, in his fifth year, I think, of coaching the Cowboys. He was doing that, too, which was constantly causing problems with Don Meredith. But they were the only two who would consistently do that. And, and yes, the quarterbacks, uh, led by Unitas, <laughs> thought they were in charge on the field. And, uh, actually, uh, Unitas was having some problems with Don Shula, the then very young Baltimore Colt coach. He wasn't 40 yet. He was only a few years older than Unitas. Um, be, uh, over the game plan and also over that Chula would uh, send plays in sometimes and Unitas wouldn't run them. And, <laughs> and that, that's like a general disobeying orders, you know. If it, if it works, you're a great hero, but if it fails, you're a big, big yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, it definitely was. And the coaching staffs, you know, were much, much smaller. And what really struck me, I mean, I talked to several Baltimore Colts, and, uh, again, I have no idea if this is the way it is now, but um, during the season, they spent a lot of evenings hanging out together watching movies, uh, sometimes with coaches, watching game films, mm -hmm. sometimes with coaches, sometimes without coaches. And they were constantly thinking about what would work, what can we do next. And um, that allowed them to, to do a lot of amazing things on the field, I think. I agree. And, and talk about fantastic coaches. You know, in, in that era, yeah. you had Lombardi, you had George Hallis. I mean, these were legendary guys. And I always think of that uh, great book about Lombardi by David Moranis, where he yeah. talks about them. You know, Bart Starr and those guys, they would love to look at films. I, you just can't imagine that in this day where they're going to be hanging around after hours uh, studying game films. Well, I don't know, but yeah, I, I would be surprised if that was still going on the same way. Yeah, right. 
Well, let's let's talk. Sixty-five was a, was a really interesting year. It was even an interesting year for the for the country uh, in the oh, sense yeah. that there was there were some changes uh, going on, and that right was with uh, went along with the rise. And, and I think your book really covers it because when you get done, you realize if you were around at that time or you kind of studied a little bit of that, it was a change in our sports viewing. I mean, football took over for baseball, and I think it's right. The sixties as a whole was the time when that really happened. That's definitely the time that it happened, and there were several reasons for that. And one big reason, which nobody else ever talks about, but I think it was very important, uh, was when the National League allowed the Giants and the Dodgers to move to the West Coast. Now, on the one hand, yeah, they were very successful in L.A. and, and San Francisco. But on the other hand, that took two of the three teams away, and, and two, great, two very good teams with great players, from the media capital and the TV capital of the country. Yeah. Um, and there's no way that that didn't have an effect on the relative stature of baseball and football. But, uh, yeah, uh, football was really coming along. Uh, another big turning point seven years earlier was the title game between Baltimore and New York in 1958, the first sudden death game, which is one of the first ones that I remember well. And, and, which, and, and the, the country had really gotten sold on it. Now, now, CBS had the NFL contract, and 65 turned out to be a big turning point. And this is one of my vivid memories as a college freshman at the time. And living in New England, you see, where uh, we were part of the New York Giants market. Mm-hmm. And every market was basically getting one game a week. And so we got the Giants. Now, in the early 60s, uh, that had been great for New Englanders, but by 65, the Giants' glory days were over. So about two-thirds of the way through the season, and, and I can still remember this day because I was so excited, uh, the Giants were playing the Browns and got beat pretty badly by them, but that didn't turn out to be the end of things that day. Instead, we switched to Minnesota for the game between the league-leading Colts and the contending Vikings, and that was the first doubleheader game, and they continued those for the rest of the season. That turned out to be an absolutely fantastic game with the Colts' backup quarterback, uh, Gary Quazzo, throwing four yeah. touchdown passes. Uh, and uh, I can still see some of the plays from that game in, in my mind's eye. Also, I, I want to mention this to potential readers. Um, that is one of the many games for which there are 25-minute highlight films on YouTube right now. And I'm really hoping that a lot of people, you, you know, as they read along through the book, will have their computer open and uh, check out the highlights when they get to that particular point in it. Coming up, more with David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. Remember, all of our interviews can be found on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to like Sports RACX on Facebook. You're listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Manchi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. 
That's 800-979-4317. This is Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. What were you thinking? Celebrity voice impersonated. Wayne Klingman, or you might know him better as Mr. Big, is out handling a dispute, but he did want to say thank you for listening to Vintage Vegas Crime Blotter every week. He also wants to remind you you can get copies of his books on Amazon. Just simply search Wayne Klingman, that's spelled C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N, again, Wayne Klingman, for the best in Vegas reading materials. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager, learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-213-9264. 800-213-9264. 800-213-9264. Call right now before it's too late. 800-213-9264. This is Sports Rockin' Tours on Talk Media Network. Now, here again, Stephen Maggi. You are listening to a conversation with David Kaiser, the author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. In the mid-1960s, when pro football eclipsed baseball as America's leading spectator sport, 
the NFL had the most exciting season in its history. Right now, you know, there's, there's every football game is on. There's games that I call seems like seven days a week practically. Right. But these games were so important, and if you can watch in those 25 minutes, you see really great players, players that were out there, their household names. It wasn't a specialist to to uh, rush the passer. It wasn't a specialist to come in on third right. down. These guys were out there, and you see guys like Johnny Unitas. You kind of have to see that, you know. And, know. you know, you mentioned the, the doubleheader, which I think is crucial. Also, you had the AFL, which was starting to play pretty good football. They got Joe Namath in there, and they were a few years That's away right. from being compet- really competitive where they could win Super Bowls. That's true. They, they were coming out strong. They had made more big signings in the draft wars. Um, they, had, they were ahead of the NFL in discovering the black college market for college players. Uh, and, and, again, a few guys had made it from there into the NFL in earlier years, but the, the AFL was being more aggressive, and, and there were a lot of great players there. Um, now, they didn't have any pass defense. That was the joke. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was kind of an NFL snob at that point. I wasn't paying much attention, but I'll never forget. <laughs> I, was, I was at a relative's for Thanksgiving uh, that year, and uh, the AFL had a game. I could look this up, but I didn't. And... Um, I was watching some of the first half, and it was just one touchdown after another on both sides. And it was like, you know, 21-14 or something when I had to go eat Thanksgiving dinner. So uh, then Thanksgiving dinner's over, and I come back and switch it on to see what's going on. And suddenly I hear, the score is tied, 49-49. to 49. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was the AFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a little like that. It really, it right, really right. was. And, you know, you talk about that, but I remember in those days, especially CBS had the, uh, the NFL, and they used yeah. to have on uh, Frank Gifford. And the, there was what I used to call the propaganda half hour in, in the middle where they'd, say, they'd go interview somebody. Don't you feel that the NFL... NFL is a far superior league. <laughs> you know, okay. Yes, I do. Okay, and, I mean, right. th- these guys went to war. I mean, it was it was. Right. You didn't know what was going to happen then. And th- I mean, I guess there was a chance. And was there a fear that the prices were going to get so out of hand, the salaries were going to go through the roof that if we don't watch it, we're going to we're going to price ourselves out of uh, existence. That's true. And uh, our mutual friend uh, Upton Bell, mm-hmm. who was a great help to me in this. Uh, it was a Colts executive at, at that time. He said the key to that, which had happened in the 64-65 offseason, was the signing of Joe Namath by, by the Jets for a, a lot of money. I mean, supposedly $400,000, although apparently there was some creative yeah. accounting in that. But, but still, it was a lot of money. And uh, the leagues were split. Uh, there's a very good book about the NFL, about the AFL, which I cite in the book, that went into this in, in detail. In both leagues, there were owners who, who said, come on, let's make a deal and, you know, have a common draft and stop spending all this money. And there were others, uh, such as Al Davis, yeah. <laughs> the NFL, who, who wanted to fight to the death. And, uh, I mean, he wanted to put the NFL out of business. And there were NFL owners um, who uh, didn't want to take the NFL seriously at all, particularly the Maras in, in New York. Uh, who had to be bribed significantly. But, but the, the last chapter of the book, as you know, uh, mm-hmm. gets into this because it was in the offseason after 65 that, that it became a bidding war for established players, and then before that could go any further, uh, they did agree on the merger and on the first Super Bowl for 
January 67. Well, you know, it is true. And I remember when we got to the the epilogue, and yeah. all of a sudden, you talked about it, I see the, the name Pete Gogolak, and I go, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, just yeah, when I right. thought this thing. And because that's when Davis was the uh, commissioner, and he was he had decided to fight. He was going after signing players for when their contracts ran out. I mean, Roman Gabriel, John Brody. If that right. was If that was going to go on, yeah. It, well, I think we saw it later when the World Football League came around. You, you can do that to a point, but you can't exist. you got to have a lot. Lots of money, even more money than right. those guys did. I never found out how Kick and Zonka and Moorfield made out uh, on the deals they made. Uh, but uh, with the USFL, with the, let's see, I got them confused. No, it was the, it was That's the, the world, world football. football. World yeah, football league, our, in fact, Upton yeah. Bell was an owner. <laughs> yes, he was. And he describes that in loving detail <laughs> in his book, and quite a story it was. Yeah, well, the epilogue was great, but this book, it just takes, but, I love the way it, it goes through because. I've read a lot of good sports books. I have never had one, though, that actually went, all right, we're going to start with the preseason. And you're thinking, oh, well, God, this is just going to be – your first thought is this is just going to be like reading a book of statistics. Believe me, it's not. But <laughs> but but I think you were smart doing that way because this season was so great because of the way it was built. It wasn't just that it ended up in this great playoff game, which we're going to talk about. Yes. But you you got to know what was happening in the first half of the season to appreciate how this built up into this giant oh, yeah. finale. <laughs> and, and particularly subplots like the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. who had been champions two years earlier with quite an old team, um, mediocre 64 season. And now they come into 65 with these two rookies, uh, although nobody has any idea how good they're going to be, <laughs> uh, Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers. Um, and they lose their first three games, including actually what you could argue was really the key game of the season. And again, you can watch the video of the highlights of this one. The third game against Green Bay, where they outgained them, they outgained the Packers 413 yards to 299, but they had a lot of turnovers uh, and they lost it. And that made them 0 3. But then suddenly uh, they go on a winning streak, and the, the next time. They play the Packers. Uh, the uh, score is, I believe, 35 to 10, 31 to 10. That's right. Wow. Uh, showing that they can beat anybody. And then later they beat the Colts. And and really, they, they kind of ran out of time. Yeah, what, it was unfortunate. Well, yeah. In that third game, wasn't there also like a bad call? I remember your book having, uh, jo- I guess it was Johnny Morris, uh, the, the great No, receiver. no, that was, that was the other key game for them. That was later. Okay. And it was their first game against the Colts. In, That's in, right. in Chicago. That's right. <laughs> and there was a there, there was a pass to Raymond Berry in the end zone, which apparently he was juggling. And, and I haven't seen film of that. But but the Bears thought he never caught it. And um, yeah, Johnny Morris, who I spoke to the other day, uh, said uh, they 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 had never got has never gotten over that. That season. Also, referees played a big part in that oh, yeah. season. Oh, it, God, yes. <laughs> it was something else. You know, so so going into the season, you, you had to figure that the Colts were looking good on paper, right? You know, Sherwood was in yeah. there. They, they yeah. have a, kind of a nice mix. They got some old guys, but they've got some youth, too. It's kind of an interesting mix. And Shula, of course, you want to talk about yep. youth. The Packers, of course, are always remembered as the dynasty team of the 60s, and deservedly so. But after I read that, and I'm kind of thinking about what you wrote, you could make the argument that the Colts came real close to being that dynasty team. A few breaks here and there, and it might oh. have been a completely different situation. Oh, no doubt about it. And and I know Upton Bell feels that way, and that gets to the key play of this season, which we will get to. 
but 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 this turned out to be in '65 the beginning of an incredible four-year run of dreadful luck that um, I don't think any team. Well, the only team that could match it probably would be those Buffalo Bills yeah. in, in the '90s who lost four Super Bowls in a row. But but with the Colts, there there was a lot of luck involved in in several different respects. In a moment, more with David Kaiser, author of the great new book, NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. You're listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. And now, another film rental discovery. Hello, welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Punk rock hails from rage. Disaffected youth railing against the machine of society seeking change through anarchy. But what happens when those raging young musicians get older with families of their own? Will they buy clean versions of their own CDs to shelter their children from obscenity? This intriguing question is explored by the surprisingly affecting film The Other F Word which earns a special place among rock and roll documentaries. Among the many hilarious contrasting images are punk rockers scolding their offspring for mild obscenity while their nightly performances are filled with raging hardcore expletives, or normal families clearing the playground when approached by a pierced, facially tattooed dad. The other F-word deflates the myth of the eternal rock and roll life. Even punk rockers age. In a world powered by youth, familial responsibility, and unstoppable maturation, still brings change. More than one of these famous macho men break down in tears as they relate the pain they experience with their own fathers, very likely the root of their own rage. Ironically, that same rage now alerts them to the importance of their own fatherhood. They are not going to let their children down. The other F-word, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who'll sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826. 800-948-6826. 800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see. And there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? That is the case. <laughs> yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. 
The annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers contains the little known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800 653 8302. 800 653 Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. You're listening to David Kaiser, who's written a great book called NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. And in 65, most of the action was in the Western Conference, where the reigning Baltimore Colts contended with the Lombardi-led Green Bay Packers and the up-and-coming Chicago Bears. The Colts had been had been 12-2, and two, I believe, in 64. Yeah. And everybody thought they were going to win the title, and then the Browns pulled out one of the great shockers of all time, beating them 27 to nothing in Cleveland. But the Colts were the favorites going in, and the Packers had had two disappointing years, uh, and, and 64 was particularly disappointing, uh, climaxing with a famous uh, game, or infamous game. Uh, they had been beaten by several games in the title race, but they had the playoff bowl in those days, mm-hmm. where the two second-place teams would play. And they were playing the upstart St. Louis Cardinals, another hard luck team in that era. And the Cardinals beat them in the playoff bowl. And, and apparently, no loss got Vince Lombardi more upset than that one. <laughs> and he made some very pungent comments to his players about what he thought of them for having lost the, the, this hinky-dink game for hinky-dink football players. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but they had. <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah. know, he, he, he could use that because then they win the next three years in a row. That's uh, right. That's right. Uh, with with uh, some help from their yeah. friends, uh, the officials. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but that happens. I mean, that happens with every dynasty, If whether it's the Celtics or the uh, New York Yankees or the Packers. Yeah. It, it seems that... The officials have an awful time uh, really making the tough calls. Oh, John, John Madden would agree with you. I, I go ask him about the Immaculate <laughs> yeah. Reception. Oh, yeah. yes. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay. But the Packers, uh, you know, they had that th- whole thing with Paul Horning, you know, and Alex Karras. Uh, yeah, really, uh, that's right. And that was a big part of the 60s, too, because that kind of kept the sanctity of the game, didn't it? Uh, because that's right. it was a that's good right. move by Roselle. I think it was, yes. Uh, and then Horning, uh, well, Horning was probably already past his peak at that point. He, he mm-hmm. had injury problems. But Horning did have the greatest game of his life uh, in the 13th game of the 65 season. Uh, so he, he could do it for one day. But the, 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 the fascinating thing about those 65 Packers is, you, you know, Lombardi was really the offensive coach. Mm-hmm. And... I'm sure he was involved in the drafting the defensive players, but they were coached by Phil Bankson, um, who was a completely different kind of man, and obviously a brilliant coach, too. And the defense totally carried the Packers for most of the 1965 yeah. season. They had four or five weeks in a row in which they scored one touchdown per game. 
and and amazingly, I think they managed to win three of those games. Um, but uh, so, so really, it was kind of a personal humiliation for Lombardi, I think, that his part of the team for most of the time uh, just wasn't performing. Uh, although, as I say, uh, he he sequestered them uh, before the game with the, with the Colts in Week 13. Uh, he took them down to Maryland uh, for a whole week, and um, they came out after that and played one of the greatest games they ever played. Yeah, and then this, and then this book is full of stories like this. Uh, where even even that playoff bowl game, which we're going to get to later, has a great yeah. <laughs> has a great story to it, and it the All Star game has a great story to it. I mean, whoever cares about the the Pro Bowl, right? Oh, but, the Pro Bowl, <laughs> yes, right, sure. Oh, but we used to love the Pro Bowl in those days because again. That was one of the only times you would get to see a lot of these guys. Yeah, and believe me, they took it seriously. Because I mean, I mean, Jimmy Brown was always a big star of the Pro Bowl, and and that was no accident. I mean, he knew he was performing for the whole country, and he was going to show us all. Well, what, we're sort of jumping around here, but I want yeah. to talk about that because now that we mentioned it, I love that story. Where kind of share that where. These two guys, two greats on defense, figure they have him stopped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That is, that is a wonderful story in Mad Ducks and Bears. Um, and frankly, as a historian, I have to admit that I tried to authenticate that story with some research, and I couldn't. So I'm not sure it happened exactly <laughs> the way Alex Garris told it to George Plimpton years later. But, but actually... In the conversation, Plimpton has asked, asked him, what's the greatest thing that ever happened to you in football, or what did you enjoy the most? And, and Kara said, I think the greatest thing is actually seeing what NFL players can do. And then he told the story that he's in the Pro Bowl in L.A., and, um, he, and he's playing next to Gino Marchetti, and everybody's been having a good time and it's been out late the night before. And the East has decided to run what is called the influence play, or as Karras put it, the oh shit play, <laughs> in, in which the guard opposite him will pull to make Karras go chasing after him, and they will run Jim Brown through the hole. But uh, as Karras explained, he was in no mood to chase the guard, so he didn't, and Marchetti wasn't either, so here comes Jim Brown, totally naked, <laughs> and, and this is their, you know, the greatest thing that could happen to them, and they both hit him as hard as they could. And he said he didn't go down, but he, he took a couple of steps back, and he looked um, shaken. And he said he and Marchetti fatally hesitated for just a split second, just enjoying the moment. <laughs> and uh, suddenly Brown writes himself and takes off and runs 80 yards for touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a great story. Because there are things, you talk about the YouTube, if you look up Jim Brown's things, there are times when it looks like he, four or five guys are holding on oh, to him I know. as he's I know. running. Well, there's another story, the, the Dallas game, and again, I saw this. Don Meredith did an interview with this for a documentary that I found on YouTube. Um, he was in the sidelines, and it's one of these amazing runs by Brown where he seems to be completely un encircled by four people, and he just sort of threads the way through, and he's into the end zone. And Meredith admits that he got so caught up in it that he was rooting for him to get to the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he realized, and, hey, the wrong guy. Oh, my God, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, right. What am I doing? Right. Yeah. 
Jim Brown, in my opinion, and you know, watching football, that's when I was a little kid. But I think he's yeah. the best player ever to put on a uniform. I, I, you know, I know quarterbacks are the big play callers and so forth. But that guy was just incredible. And and, and you know, he retired at the top of his game. One thinks he could have played another five plus years if he wanted to. He certainly could have played several more years, and and that is also in the book. And and that was again, that was like a death in the family. Uh, when yeah. when he suddenly retired, um, I, I, oddly enough, uh, I saw live the first regular season game they played without him the next fall, which was in Washington. And Leroy Kelly served notice that uh, he wasn't Jim Brown, but uh, he's pretty good. He's going to do very well too. <laughs> yes, but yeah, I, I mean, I think Brown unquestionably was the most dominant single player, certainly on offense, ever. And that's partly because you know defenses got bigger and faster. But but also, I don't think he missed a single game in nine years. No. And he had only one year where he had serious injuries. Uh, it was really amazing. I, I really regret that I was not able to interview him, but... Um, He's hard to get say, a hold of. <laughs> I was not able to work that out. I, I, yeah. One of his teammates helped me in trying to make contact to him, with him, but let's just say nothing ever happened. Well, I got but, to talk to him one time. And uh, just briefly about uh, he, he was all angry at Franco Harris and he was he wanted to play oh, on the yeah. Raiders right and I thought right. and I'm starting to laugh I think he's joking around and he gives one of those looks scared the hell out of me he's like no I'm serious you know I'm like, okay yeah, I remember he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated about that I remember I think he was 42 at that time yeah and yeah. I think Davis yeah. would have done it if he could have uh, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff yeah. he liked though yeah. More in a moment with David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. You are listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Maggi, Coast to Coast, on the Talk Media Network. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. 
Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50 pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. Holy gentle giants dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. This is Sports Rockin' Tours on Talk Media Network. Now, here again, Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. You are listening to David Kaiser, the author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. It's a great buy for the Christmas season. The exciting season also featured a fantastic final weekend, which led to a one-game playoff. Well, let's look about the regular season. So, 65 regular season is fascinating because there's this kind of ebb and flow to the whole season. One moment, somebody's up. I mean, you, you already mentioned with the Bears, I mean, but everybody had those issues. You know, they'd have the great games, and then you come back the next time, because you were playing these guys. Most of them were playing each other twice. That's right. And I've never seen a situation, but I guess the Colts was the most interesting, because you're coming down the line. You not only lose your starter, but you lose your very good backup, and your That's third-string right. quarterback, who isn't really a quarterback. So... And yet, is that a tribute uh, not only to Maddie, who's a wonderful person? I know you actually ended up dedicating your book. You were originally going to dedicate it to Plimpton. It's and to both. It's to both. Of to them both. Them. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Just a wonderful guy. But do you think, uh, David, that part of it is really a tribute to Shula that they could hold that together and come as close? Really, they should have ended up winning at least the division. Sure, it was a tribute to Shula, and a tribute to the spirit on the team. I think which I think is more than a cliché. So it's the most natural thing in the world for them just to sit down and say, well, all right, we know Tom can't throw uh, very much, uh, so how are we going to win? And they they designed this whole offense uh, around him running. And then on Friday of the week, the day before the game, they get uh, authorized to sign an older quarterback, Ed Brown, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he flies out to L.A., 
and he's there on Saturday with no preparation. And Maddie played most of the game, but Brown played a few series, and the key uh, play of the game is a long touchdown pass from Brown to John Mackey, another legendary player, uh, for which they sat down on the floor, on the ground in the huddle, and drew the pass pattern on the ground. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like a pickup. Sandlot football, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, and they, they pulled that game out. Maddie also gained almost 100 yards in that game. And Maddie said the, the, the thing he was proudest about, but, but he credited his line for this, he was never sacked in either of the games, in any of the games he played, uh, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it it really it really is, you know. Yeah. It, 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 so they get and then a tie, and that's how weird this season was, oh, I know. right? I, I know. What are the chances? No, no, that. Well, you see, the thing I will always regret is I mentioned it in the book. I think I missed the end of the season. I was a college freshman, and my parents were living in England. Mm-hmm. Long story. And I had to fly over for them for Christmas, and I I flew during the week before the last game of the season. So I missed that last weekend. Mm. I missed the playoff and I missed the championship. And uh, I've only seen things later on film. Now, um, I do wonder, by the way, if any of the CBS broadcasts survives, but I have no information on that. So anyway, uh, when I picked up the American paper on that Monday and saw that the Packers had actually tied the 49ers and that's going to be a playoff, <laughs> I mean... It's like you've got to be kidding me! <laughs> uh, and how frustrating <laughs> when you watch that that incredible season and can't see I know. the finale. Well, I went through that. I went through that a few years in a row, uh, which was which was sad. But anyway, uh, that's true. Although some of the, some of the games from later years are available now in full. But yeah, it was. Uh, but the, and then the way the Forty ers tied them, and again, the Forty ers had an amazing team that year. They had, by a significant margin, the best offense in the league. Mm-hmm. Nobody could stop them. Uh, I mean, they had John Brody, they had two great receivers, Dave Parks and Bernie Casey, and they had two great running backs, uh, John David Crow and Ken Willard, who was a rookie and who was one of my best interviews, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, and uh, also, when that, that highlight film was on YouTube. And uh, it was in San Francisco, and that 49er defense, man, was fired up. You would think they were the ones trying to get into the championship, not, not the Packers. They, they are gang-tackling the Packers on just about every play. You're listening to Sports Rockin' Tours, and we are talking with David Kaiser, author of NFL 1965, The Most Exciting Season. Well, you're right, and, and that's one of the things I don't think you see as much of now. You know, there was a certain pride there because this was yeah. their lives. You know, they they weren't That's thinking right. about their broadcast career afterwards or, or whatever, you know, yeah. or their social media campaign. They were worried these games were important. And I guess it was a camaraderie, in a, a team, great team camaraderies and a respect across the lines on every team in the league. I think that's true. And, and you saw a lot of that in those days in baseball also, where there was a pennant race and you have the last game of the last series of the season pitting one of the contenders against somebody who has nothing to lose. But those guys who have nothing to lose, they really feel they have something to prove. They're not going to be anybody's patsies. And you guys think you're going to the World Series, but you're going to have to prove it to us. And, and that's what this was like. And, and then the other fantastic thing in that game, okay, uh, the, the, it's late in the first half. The Packers are ahead 7-3. to three. And the 49ers are driving for a touchdown. 
they're going to go ahead just before the half. And, and this is exactly what had happened, by the way, uh, in the Packers-Colts game the week before, too. And um, Verdi calls a pitch out to John David Crow, and he laterals it towards him, and, and it sort of goes right through Crow and bounces. And Willie Wood, the great Packer safety, is coming up, and, and he picks it up and manages to run it, I think, about 85 yards into the end zone. So instead of being ahead 10-7, to 7, the 49ers are going to be down 14-3. to 3. And the Packers are lining up for the extra point. And onto the field comes running, comes John Brody, the 49er quarterback, who runs up to the ref carrying a rule book. <laughs> and he says, hey, look, that was a lateral. The rule is you can't advance a lateral. You can advance a fumble, but you can't advance a lateral. And the ref, apparently, I don't have a quote for him, but apparently the son of a bitch, he's right. <laughs> so they take the ball back up the field, <laughs> give, it to the back, give it to the backers in their own 15 or whatever, at which point, uh, and this is on the film, uh, Vince Lombardi in his <laughs> camel's hair coat and hat comes onto the field screaming at the officials. Oh, I can imagine he must have lost <laughs> his mind. <laughs> <laughs> but to no avail. So, so the second half is, is just a seesaw with all sorts of fantastic individual plays. The 49ers go ahead, I think, 17-14. to 14, And then the Packers come back strong in the fourth quarter and score 10 points. Uh, and so they're now ahead 24-14. to mm-hmm. um, And then the – and there are lots of great individual plays, a couple of wild interceptions. And then – the, the 49ers get it to win in seven, and they get the ball with less than two minutes left. Um, actually, I think what happened was, yeah, yeah they, were, they were four down, and then, and then the Packers kicked the field goal to make it seven. And then they kick off, and there's less than two minutes left. And John Brody gets them down the field with three or four passes. And on, the, on one of those plays, the regular tight end gets hurt. And into his position goes a guy named Vernon Burke. And I yeah. found a phone number for Vernon Burke, but I never got an answer there. I don't know what was up with that, but I, I, I really wanted to interview him, but that didn't work out. But at any rate, Brody calls this play, uh, which leaves the whole left side of the field open, except for Vernon Burke, mm-hmm. who was who up against the Packer right cornerback, who's, who's the weak link in their defense, Doug Hart. And uh, he runs the zig out, and, and he clearly beats him, and he catches the ball in the end zone for the tying touchdown. <laughs> and Dave Parks, who's the leading receiver in the league, runs up to him and gives him a huge hug. That was the second pass Vernon Burke had <laughs> caught all season. Yeah. yeah right. but guy, you know, I know who he replaced. He replaced a, who was a partner of mine in my early, early, early oh. broadcast, Monty Stickles. Monty Stickles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, I wasn't going to mention the name, but that's absolutely right. That's yeah. right. And when I mentioned this to Ken Woolard, he said, well, I mentioned Vernon's name. He said, Vern never got to play. Yeah. Said, well, he did that time. Well, thank you, David. Make sure to join us again next week as we discuss that playoff game between the Colts and the Packers, as well as the NFL championship from 65 and more. Again, we'll be back with David Kaiser. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, 
comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. In the meantime, follow us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. Well, maybe I am. If you're buying a diamond ring for your wife, it's not cool to be cheap. If you're buying airline tickets, oh, it's very cool to be cheap and called Trip Amigo, where you can fly anywhere in the world and save up to 75% on over 500 airlines and 300,000 hotels, plus rental cars and vacation packages. Visit family, friends, or go on a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Go ahead, be cheap. We have special fares we're not allowed to publish. When you book your airline reservations with Trip Amigo, you'll spend your travel money when you get there, not by getting there. Call Trip Amigo now and mention the travel code AMIGO and save even more. Call Trip Amigo now. 701-581-9605. 701-581-9605. That's 701-581-9605. Want to be a movie producer? Faith Wins is an exciting new screenplay. It's a rags to riches, back to rags, back to riches, onward to redemption story. Written by longtime comedy greats Rich Natoli and John Pate, Faith Wins is the feel-good story of the year, with proceeds of the film to benefit homeless people and homeless animals in Las Vegas. But we need your help to get the movie made. Go to GoFundMe.com and type in Faith Wins in the search box. GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. Homelessness is a big, big problem in the U.S. Let's put the spotlight where it belongs and make a real difference together. Go to GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. We can do this because Faith Wins. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. 
KSHP shows are now available on all of the major podcasting platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Radiohead, and more. Simply search for KSHP on any of the major platforms and you can listen to past episodes of all your favorite KSHP programs, including Sports Rock and Tours.